You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. I have a distinct pleasure of getting to be involved with professionally and personally, friends, and just to chat with people that are very interesting and entertaining and, and know a lot of stuff that I find very cool. And some of them are people that I was personally involved with first. And on the other hand, there's people that, given the nature of what I do, being around creative people and working with them, that I get to meet uh, and then wind up being friends with. And this is a, a good example of that. I have Andy Othling from Lowercase Noises on the show today. But not only is he on the show, he's somebody that I actually get to work with now who kind of found me uh, and was listening to the the Bad Christian podcast that I do. And we got connected and I got to start finding out what he's up to and what it is that he does, which is incredible. He is a very, very uh, special talent uh, thinker, uh, engineering-minded person and expressive, creative person with a lot to say and do. And so we even get to do some business together. Well, I'm helping him with his record release at, with BC Music. And so we get to hang out and do stuff. He's flown up here and hung out in Seattle and been to my house. And I think we're going to try to get him to do shows with Emory in the future. And, of course, I get to talk to him on a podcast like this. And you are in for a treat because this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. I just we just got done doing it a few minutes ago, and it was it's just awesome that we're, he uh, is a guitar player musician. He makes music that might be described as ambient or instrumental or something like that. But he's on a level that uh, it's. It's just different, and and you'll just have to give it some time and listen to it and hear what he's about and check his music out to really get a grip on uh, what is there. And this episode does a great job, in my opinion at least, of of explaining the thoughts that go into it and how it works on a very technical break-it-down level. Uh, this episode really is break-it-down in a very, very specific sense, and if you're into guitar or sounds or pedals or gear or textures, you're really going to love this. Um, we start. We are able to talk about music theory and technical things. Just when we had, I, I want everybody to know we didn't have any plan for this. I, he just said, oh, "I'll have my guitar with me, so if, we, if I want to play it, I can." And uh, he was able to do some amazing things right there on the fly. And he he didn't have a plan, and I did not either. Uh, but this is very good insight and very useful stuff into how artists like him create these types of sounds it's, it's kind of mind-blowing and i learned a ton and i think you will i'm sure you'll will enjoy it and i do want to plug his album because i think it's so worthwhile to check out it's called the swiss illness and it's up for pre-order right now uh and you'll just have to go over there i'm not going to tell you all about it but it is worth your time to check out so go to lowercasenoises.com while you're listening to this episode uh and then see if there's something that you'd want to get involved in or order a vinyl. I recommend his music on vinyl particularly. Um, okay. Now, I had an episode last week that I did with Joey Sturgis, and that one, again, stumbled into that one, and wow, is it was it good. He's a really, really special guy that I'm excited to continue a relationship with and get to know and talk to more because he said a lot of stuff that was quite interesting to me too. He also happens to sponsor this show, so I'm double thankful. That's Again, I, I'm very fortunate in that regard that people want to maybe sponsor my show or work together, and then I get to know them and talk to them and learn from them and stuff like that. And Joey Sturgis is amazing. His 
company that he does now is called joeysturgistones.com. So I'm going to take a minute and tell you about how cool that is. Now, Joey's philosophy, if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll find that what he's saying is he wants to make tools for people to create, and that's what he really, really cares about. So he's taking these processes and technical stuff that he's learned and developed that he uses in his workflows and turned them into simple and single plugins and audio uh, plugins and software that you can use that are uh, they're not necessarily foolproof, but they're very simple to use and understand and immediately do what they tell you they're going to do. So there's a couple of ones. He does all kind of stuff, and they're very affordable, very cool stuff. The Again, go to joeysturgistones.com and check it out. So he makes, for instance, guitar emulator signal chains that have that are actually quite simple. Instead of instead of giving you 10,000 options, he puts together signal chains that make total sense, that he uses, that he likes, that are tested. And so you can start right there instead of having to pick through 10 billion amp models. Uh, and, and it's really cool. It's got, it'll have an EQ and a compressor and a pedal and the the amp head and the cabinet all right there in the signal chain all ready to go. And they're like $79 he has some of those things and instead of having to buy some massive or expensive plug-in or system. Now, he also has even cheaper single plug-ins than that, like the Transify Pro-Level Multiband Transient Processor. So if you don't know what that is, that probably sounds like something super goofy. But if you know what... Uh, transient design and transient uh, manipulation is, you know, it's a very powerful tool. And this one's great. You can get it for $49 uh, and it replaces what a lot of really, really expensive outboard type of equipment. Uh, looks very cool. And then there's a there's a JST clip plug-in that he's made here that really is good. And it's, uh, it's basically for mixing and mastering to control the dynamics on the like uh, to kind of control the dynamics when you're mastering or mixing or putting something out without really squashing it. It preserves the transients, but still gives you, you know, a, a lot of harmonic saturation and prevents digital overs with, as he puts it in his language here, with pleasing sonics and increase the boldness of your source with ease. So these plugins are are designed for you to be able to use immediately without having a degree in audio engineering, for instance. And this one's $39. And I think it's, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great thing to add on your, your mix when you're bouncing a demo or, or, or anything, just trying to create a file and uh, kind of control the dynamics with it. So even better than this, than, than the fact that these are a good price, you get 20% off of everything at joeysturgistones.com if you use my promo code PODCAST20. So it's quite a good deal, and uh, you'll be uh, involving yourself and getting into these plugins with a guy who's very cool, knows what he's doing, and if you listen to the episode, you can, you'll get start to get the feel that he's very genuinely trying to empower people and help people and break into new territory, which I very much appreciate. It's not just some product to sell. It's not just somebody using their name to sell something. He's innovating here, and uh, I, I support it very much indeed. Uh, that's all I've about got to tell you. I, I want you guys to... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, leave me a rating and review. Go to my website. Make sure you find me on YouTube and see what you can do to interact and help out the show if you like it. Tell some people. Um, subscribe to my YouTube. Leave reviews. And even check out my Patreon. If you're a real serious listener, you'll check out my Patreon page. And you can find that all through my website, breakitdownpod.com. So we're going to talk to Andy in just a second. And then at the very end of the episode, I'm going to uh, roll a song of his in its entirety just to make sure you, you get the grip of it. But in the meantime, time we'll get going and talk about guitars pedals delays reverbs 
uh, harmonic stuff, all that stuff. You're, you're going to like it. There's some, some music theory in here, too. All right, here we go. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's make cutter. Yeah! You know what's going on with mics and gear in some way that just makes me super comfortable. Like, uh, I know there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff about yeah. things, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just—I don't know what it is, but it seems as if you are just right on the same page as me. Every time I think about something or talk about it or whatever, you're just already tracking right there with me. Right. Which means one of two things: either you have shared experiences and influences and knowledge and education as me, or you're just—you just know way more than me about everything and and and, <laughs> and and a bunch more stuff too. And it just happens to encompass all the stuff that I know as well. But you're way beyond that. It's one well, of those two, yeah. or somewhere in between. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but I have a degree in computer science. Uh -huh. I'm very engineering, computer mind, so nothing nothing really freaks me out. So and you're kind I of an engineering guy. Uh, yeah. So engineering's natural to you? Is that the way you think yeah. of things? Totally. And even, you know, problems, like I was putting together visuals for a tour I did last year, and I had to write my own Max for Live plugin in Ableton. <laughs> so, like, I had a problem. I came up, it's like, well, I'm just going to program my own plugin because I can't find one that does it for me. So Really? You know, stuff like that, I don't, I don't, usually, if there's a problem, I can figure out a way to at least fix it or get around it. So I'm pretty confident in my ability to do those sort of things. Well, for a lot of people, that comes at the expense of something else, you know, uh, mm. but you seem to also have a really strong uh, creative and artistic, you know, taste-making, non-problem solving, but purely expression type of uh ability too. yeah i feel i credit that to my parents i mean my mom is a pastel artist painter uh -huh. and my dad is an engineer like he flew f-16s in the air force and stuff so i feel like i got oh like that's 50 cool. 50 of both of them like my dad is just he can run a meeting it sounds weird to say but he can like manage people and run a meeting super well like those sort of things so i feel like i got both of those and not one of them isn't beating the other one out in my own mind which i really like about myself and and then, do you think of art and, and stuff like that as uh, decision making and engineering the way I do? I know you've listened to the show enough to know how I know me enough to yeah. know how I think about it. But do you are you find yourself in the same as me or different in what way? I mean, in the in the in the type of music I do, I think it comes out differently, of course. But I mean, like I mean, for for instance, when I'm writing a song, like. You know, I'm very aware of the trade-offs, which is another engineering thing. Right. That's exactly of like, right. It's like, I'm a, I'm a single person. I'm writing a whole song. It's like, I'm going to have to arbitrary and make a ton of arbitrary decisions right uh -huh. now. So it's That's like, right. I'm going to do this thing five times. I don't know why. I'm just going to choose five and I'm going to make it interesting on top of that. Like stuff like that. Yes. That's exactly the way I feel about it. You're all, Everything you're doing when you're creating is essentially... I would say high level decision making mm -hmm. and you're you're deciding things at the exact exclusion of other things. And that's yeah. that's essentially what style is. I mean, style is just the exclusion of everything except for whatever's left. That's your style, right. you know. You can't play be every style. That's no style. 
Right. And yeah. furthermore, it's like, I'll put down a part and be like, I know this isn't interesting enough yet, but I'm just going to leave it for now. Yeah. Like, I will, I'll enter another mental space on top of that and figure out how to make it interesting. I'm, but I'm not thinking about it right now. Like I'm, I'm constantly moving in and out in headspace of like looking really close in at a part and then zooming out and it's like, okay, how is the whole thing looking now? And uh -huh. then being able to go back and forth. I feel like that's one of my biggest attributes that <laughs> helps me it, even with everything like um you know designing a website or something i'm like okay i'm working on this widget and the text is cool but then can i like separate and be like okay how does a someone who's never seen my website how do they look at it and i can i feel like i can look at it that way uh -huh. even when i've been zoomed in for a long time you know yeah and then the other word you said there that is interesting is arbitrary arbitrary decision yeah. so no matter what you it doesn't matter if you're a mastermind or a creative genius or expressive unlimited that there's if you analyze what is decisions and how what are the theoretically the other possibilities you had you realize really quickly that probably almost all, most of the decisions that are made are arbitrary. Like you don't know. Yeah. It's not like I have this exact vision for the velocity that I'm going to play the ninth exactly. note in this phrase, and yeah. I know exactly what the patch sounds should be before I ever think. You know, there's no way. You, yeah. There's no way to know all those things. Basically, it uh, would just kind of fractal out into decisions about decisions about decisions. If you want yeah. to really like map it out, and so exactly. that's what's satisfying about creating something. If you have that mindset, is you, you know, you you you're basically just choosing which decisions do you do you have a strong feeling about or know what yeah. you want to do, and the rest are really actually arbitrary. Like there's so many things on an Emory record that nobody knew what it was or was in control of it. It's just right. that's just what is there based yep. on the situation. Like for instance, the sound of the room that the drums is in. Yeah. Well, it's just the room the drums were in. That's the one we had. It wasn't like I <laughs> right. analyzed the reflections in the room and decided this room over that room or anything. Right. You know? It's just right. you can't totally. you can't do that about everything. So but it can be a really it can really mess you up if you get too granular. Oh exactly. And I feel like that's something, you know, even when you were talking with Joey Sturgis about all the technological, you know, how great everything is now, there's also part of it that's detrimental because you know a kid can sit yep. down at GarageBand and be like, well, I can create 700 tracks of a million different instruments and layer myself. It's like, that yep. can be bad. So you've yep. got to train your mind to be like, okay, I mean, I'm still, you know, limitations are my favorite thing. Yeah, self-imposed so. uh, constraints. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that kind of goes to the arbitrary thing. It's like, I'm going to, there's a song on my new record where I was like, I'm, this whole song is going to be the same chord progression seven times. Yes. And it's like, okay, now how do I, how do yes. I make this now, good? <laughs> now you know exactly what, you, you have one thing in place and you know yeah. that it's not interesting, so now you have it's, a very yeah. specific problem to solve. How do I make... And you have to be okay with it not being interesting at that first At that part. first part. And then, and then yeah. but then you know if you're clear with yourself and analyze yourself correctly and aren't living mm -hmm. in la-la land, that... Mm -hmm. Your job is to now take this thing that you've decided arbitrarily and make it interesting, and you can't rest until it is. And then when it is, you, yep. you're done. So yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And so that's between, <laughs> you know, somewhere between the intuitive part of the mind and the rational. Yeah. And you had to jump yes. back and forth, kind of thing. You, in fact, you need, I guess, you need both, kind of a thing. <laughs>
And that's where my mom and dad come in. It's yeah, like, but you're probably more comprehensive <laughs> as a person because I usually rely as a crutch, or maybe it's not a crutch, but it's uh, on other people. So I like to build little mm. systems and teams so that, you know, for instance, with Toby, he's purely intuitional and expressive, and he just doesn't rationally yeah. think about almost anything. Right. Um, and so if I'm fully rational, he's that, then it's a good compliment at least but you seem yeah, to have it all enveloped as a single person which is cool sure yeah but i am i'm also realizing more and more how much more i could do with more people like for instance one of my friends who lives in denver drove down here a while ago and um i'm doing the soundtrack for his movie and he like you know he gave me a spotify playlist was like i want it to sound generally like these songs i was like okay well i can i can just dive in but what ended up happening is he came down for three days and he didn't he just kind of sat behind me mm -hmm. and like guided it and i was like we got so much done in three days that i never would have gotten done it was because we were bouncing ideas back and forth because he could because uh, he when you were choosing a, between a set of 100 arbitraries he had a feeling yep. uh, like a exactly. like a, a distinct feeling that you didn't have and therefore you can rule out those 99 things like that and just move on exactly yeah and then there were certain points where i was like okay how about this for like a vibe and he just goes like nope I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's out. Oh, and you'd had to explore else. it for, for two <laughs> right, hours exactly. and then, then eventually abandon it. Right. So Later, we yeah. so we got like six songs in three days. I was like, man, I didn't I would have never been able to get that much done. So I'm I'm trying to explore ways to do more of that here so like I'm having friends later this year I'm having friends fly out to work with me to do an album and stuff so I'm actively trying to have more people involved, but still retain the good stuff that I have going on. Yeah, I'm seeking to collaborate more than less overall kind of thing mm -hmm. and let go as I mature. But, you know, I, right. I still feel like it comes out of a place of, of babysitting everything. And I've thought so much well, about yeah. little details that that is basically my background and education that, you know, that I've given myself that I can now move out of, which I value, too. I'm glad right. that I've spent so many moments micro-editing timing and considering the, the feel of a swingy triplet or dotted eighth in a right. part and which should be more this way or that way, you know. I'm glad I've done right. that and now don't want to do it, so. Um, right. I want to talk specifically about your music or even, and you, can you play music and make noise from where you are in your studio? Yeah, right? yeah. Let me grab my guitar. I got this, it all. This will be cool. So I... I, I suppose, uh, I'm sure I will have introed this episode and told people who you are and what your music is for the people that don't know, but you do all this stuff by yourself, and you're largely, and yeah. uh, as we talked about on the Bad Christian Podcast, you're, you've been known as, and are even resistant to being known as a pedal <laughs> guy or a tech guy, and I understand yeah. why, because I think, you, yep. you know, what you're... You had to reference that. You'll have to go back and listen to the Bad Christian podcast to get that. I don't even really want to redo that discussion. Right. But on this show, you're going to enter the Break It Down podcast, and you are going to have to talk about your pedals and some settings. We're going to break it down. Things. So let's do. I know let's, what I'm getting into. Okay, yeah. good, good. All right. <laughs> so we don't have a visual of your pedals, but can you yeah, tell us what? Sorry. Can you tell us what is on your pedal board? Oh boy. Okay. This is oh. going to sound crazy. So I've got a compressor. This is the order they're into. Yeah. So yeah. compressor. Octave generator, reverb, fuzz distortion thing, chorus, delay, reverb, uh, tremolo, a weird looper thing, delay, delay, and then reverb. <laughs> so wow. that sounds like Does a that lot all of duplicates. Fit on but your, I, it all fits on one giant pedal board. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I wouldn't like it to be this big, but I have certain. I'm pretty picky. In this world, there are certain things I like to be able to accomplish. Like, I want to be able to turn one of my delays into a looper for a little bit and still have a delay to use with it. So that's yeah. why I have, you know, a bunch of them. Um, okay. Yeah, it's 
it's a little bigger than I'd like it to be, but that's fine. So imagine people want to know exactly is that the Zvex fuzz or what it, uh, that is. Oh my but, gosh. And I won't make you set, do, explain all that on audio, but I want you to send a picture to me. Just take a photo oh, of it and I'll put it right on. Right now? No, just later. And okay. when I, I'll, I'll put it on the website so people can actually look at yeah, the, yeah. the board and stuff itself. Mm -hmm. Um Okay, so what is your approach when you start to to do a song like this? So yeah. Andy's music, if you don't know, is instrumental, uh, and yeah. it's the simplest, stupidest way you could explain it is ambient guitar, pedal-heavy stuff. Right. Uh, but but uh, is, there's more to it than that. But I, I have to admit, when I'm listening to it, your new album's called The Swiss Illness. When yeah. I'm listening to it, I can't tell what instruments are on <laughs> it or not. I get really, really confused, and I imagine that's yep. the place where most people enter. I don't, is that intentional? Um, yes and no. I mean, for this... Oh, I'm sorry. Ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, for this album process, it was not purposefully um, anti-guitar or anything, but when I sat down to write this album, for whatever reason, I could never start on the guitar, so it always started with some weird piano part or like a weird uh -huh. looped texture that I made somewhere else, and then I would bring in the guitar where necessary. So... I mean that this is getting into the weeds on ambient music, but I really feel no, it's like not. You that's know, where we want to be. Just yeah, I mean, ju just like a ton of reverb and delay on a guitar is not the point. It's not the goal. It's you know, it's about feeling and like there's a million ways you can you write textures and spaced out things that have nothing to do with the guitar. And so I I'm I'm about the music. I happen to be able to play guitar. That's my thing I grew up with, but I'm very much wanting it to be bigger than that. And I want the music to be taken in as something bigger than just a dude with an overly expensive delay pedal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what is the inventory of instruments and percentage of them on the Swiss Illness? Oh, man. Um, I used um, a lot. I used a, a, a string library that one of, so one of my favorite composers named Olafur Arnalds, who lives in Iceland. Um, he made a string library with his friends, mm -hmm. and so there are all these weird, you know, string sounds. And so I would start with those a lot of the time. I'd like stretch them and mangle them and turn them into something else. And so a lot of the weird textures came from that. And then there's a lot of piano. Um, usually when I'm, I can't really play the piano, and I like not knowing how to play it because when I sit down, I don't know what I'm doing, and then something mm -hmm. cool will just sort of happen. Yep. There's no ruts, kind of like I have on exactly. the guitar. Exactly. Um, I'm the same way. So, I start on drums and piano all the time right. in order to not start on guitar because my fingers go to well-known, well-worn paths. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a lot of that stuff, and then there's that there's certain techniques I go to that are like weird looping, lo-fi techniques, and I'll just pipe any sort of weird audio into it. So like take a piano or like a bell part and like reamp it through a couple pedals and then back into the computer like octave it up twice and then back down two octaves and just try just to, to do strange to mangle stuff. mangle it is the word you use there. Yeah, and then, and, and then if it sounds cool, I'm like, sweet. Now well, I'm going to build on top of that. Well, why um, do you have to mangle it? Is there something wrong with using the string library <laughs> the way it is or the guitar playing I mean, a lot, it? I mean, a lot of times I do. It's just I'm... Uh, I, I, it's just purely not interesting to me necessarily if it's not mangled a lot uh -huh. of times. Because I'm looking for like... And the other thing is, like, I'm looking, and this applies to guitar too. It's like I'm looking to get certain sounds out of their normal frequency or textural ranges. Uh -huh. Because are if you, you trying think to? The, is it? Is it? Do you have a natural 
like, is there a cheesiness factor like hearing a guitar sound <laughs> like a guitar that you're trying to avoid, though? No, not necessarily, but I, I'm trying to take advantage of uh, when I'm trying to make a sound that's not like a guitar, I'm going to remove all the boundaries that guitar has. Like, for example, right now, with my pedal board, I'm plugged straight into my interface. There's no amp going on. No amp simulator? Like, no, not even a simulator. But it's like, you know, I turn on a sound like this. And Show it's me, like, yeah. You know, throw some delay and reverb on it. Well, it's like that okay. doesn't that doesn't need to have a guitar amp on it. That's something else. That's not a guitar anymore. That's true. <laughs> that sounds cool, you know? Okay, so that's fine. We're gonna break down whatever I was just hearing there. So if you hear that sound <laughs> I'm watching you play it on guitar, but if you if I just heard I'm that not sound doing much, yeah. If I heard that sound, my first thought would be, is that an organ or a piano through some effects? Mm -hmm. Or or you know what? It might be actually guitar. I'm sharp enough and play a little bit right. of ambient guitar to figure out that's probably a guitar. But yeah. um I was playing around <laughs> with piano and my piano and guitar. I'm doing Matt and Toby shows now, and I use piano and guitar both with the same pedal board. And I can really make the I can play the same notes between the two and, and make almost, especially if you take the attack off, you can almost make right. it almost doesn't matter which instrument I use. Uh, yeah, on and, and that's, the, that's the key to that sound I just made. It's all about removing the attack. Removing yeah. the attack is what that is. So let's, let's tell me what effects are on when you do it again. Um, play the sound again right. and tell me what effects are in the chain. Yeah, so there's only three. So that's just a C chord. Yeah. That's a C bar chord, like I said, one, five, three is the, are the notes yep. you played there. Yep. Um, so all it is is the POG2 polyphonic octave generator, but I have, there's a slider for the attack, so you can uh -huh. literally, there's, an, there's a slider that you take the attack completely out. If, yep. I, if I turn that off... Um, yeah, start. Um, yeah, turn everything off and just build that okay. sound up from from scratch. Show us yeah, the yeah, dorky, yeah. plinky guitar sound. The notes. Totally, it play. sounds super boring. So this is this is literally what I played. It's just mm -hmm. <laughs> just plucked three notes in that yep. C chord. Um, and then the first thing is the octave generator. So it's giving me two octaves down, one octave down, one octave up, and two octaves up. And then the um, attack removed. Right. So I took the attack off. So with, just with the octaves, it sounds like this. You can still hear me. Yeah. Plucking and you hear all the octaves. That's just, just octaves that. on the plinky guitar straight in. And now we remove right. the attack. And, and now you remove the attack. No longer a guitar. This. Right. So, and when I move around, you know, you're, you'll yep. never hear the attack. Yeah. So, um, next thing is that I'm a sucker for anything stereo. So this is just a, uh, Ping pong delay. Here, I'll turn the octave off so it just sounds like this. Um, I don't know what Skype does, but it's bouncing left and right. Yeah, you won't hear that effect over this. This I don't. The think. podcast people will. Yeah, but um, I don't. Oh yeah, if we if you send me that file, they will. Yep. Yep, and I will. Um, so then you put those two together, and it just gets you know a little more drawn out. Um, yeah, and then the last thing is just a stereo reverb is all just to make it spacier, you know. So that's it. Now that's you're nice. in some other world, not guitar world anymore. Now you're in another world. You know, that's an experience <laughs> I have. Uh, so you helped me build my pedal board that I put together because I've been not a pedal guy for a really long time. I've always used a mm -hmm. delay and a whatever, but nothing much right. at all. Um, but now that I've went back and built a pedal board and you consulted me through it, it's been really fun. But that's a distinct experience I have is I'm sitting there in my garage playing with my pedal board and I feel like 
as I start adding the, the effects and the sounds and the space, it's like I go deep. I start f- feeling sucked into it. Like it takes yeah. my brain out of. I don't know if it's more yeah. present or less present. I, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm lost. So, like I'm mm-hmm. no longer in the physical space I'm in when I'm focusing and when I'm just listening to the sounds I'm making. And so yeah. I'll get a big chain going where I'm just messing around, tweaking <laughs> knobs, and, and I'll feel sucked super deep. In, or I don't feel anything. I'm just immersed in it. Right. But I have this distinctly yeah. unpleasant feeling as I unclick the effects and take them off, like <laughs> like sober to some really uncomfortable degree. Like as like you're I, coming. Yeah, it feels coming like coming back through the atmosphere down to the Earth's surface. Yeah, and it does not feel good. It's bizarre because you can get really lost in this world, and I don't even know if it's objectively a good world or if it's good music or good sounding or anything. It's just I have the distinct feeling of well, being lost. The, and then there's definitely the idolization of tones, which uh-huh. I'm against. Um, so there's a lot of people who think they can do this music just by buying a $500 reverb pedal and yeah. whatever and then that's all and and you know they'll make great sounds because that's what these devices do they make great sounds um, or interesting again, sounds is the best way to describe it yeah yeah interesting yeah. It's, and it's unique all subjective. and new uh, stuff but, that, it's easy to get into territory that doesn't sound like something you've heard before which can trick you into right. thinking it's good or art right it's just exactly. unfamiliar but that you know what I mean and it's like much like the pedals are a means to an end it's like the sound is a means to an end too like you've got to place it correctly and use it not too much um, you know there's you've got to go another step other than just getting it. Like, what I played just now may have sounded cool, but it's like, okay, how do I make a C chord that lasts that long be interesting? <laughs> you know? Well, that's, what's that's the answer? The challenge. Uh, it's, for me, it's other textural things on top of it. It's pseudo-melody. It's, like, for me, I don't ever do... Well, sometimes I do, but anything that sounds really like a melody, but there's tiny... I love adding things that very much don't stand on their own, but put like 10 of those things together and there's always something interesting happening if you do that. Emerge might be the way to say that. Like something yeah. emerges from all those combinations that's interesting that wouldn't yeah, be and by that, itself. Yeah, and that's like a lot of times when I build songs, like it starts with one of those weird warped loops or something that's boring by itself for five minutes, but then you make another weird loop and it texturally and sonically fits on top of the other one and they're... The way that they, you know, one might be five bars, one might be seven bars. So, like, they they come together at different spots as yeah. it goes along. You know, well, stuff like that is super interesting to me. Okay, so this is where you lose me entirely. This is where I don't have any experience. <laughs> and so looping has always bothered me. Um, All right. So looping always bothers me, especially if you're recording, because I, I feel like, well, why do you need to loop something? You just play it or edit it or play it again or, I mean, if you're tracking. Yeah. So... I understand the guy playing in a coffee shop wants to play a couple chords and loop it and then noodle over it like that. To me, that's looping. So, but how 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 do you incorporate this looping thing? Here, I'll I'll give you an example. So, this is my El Capstan, which is one of the pedals I told you to get. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a tape delay, but I don't know if you've ever played with the looper on it. No, Um, I'm not. I didn't even know I had it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, I mean, here's a. I'll just make a real simple loop. Um, I'll use that same C chord. So it's already gone around once, but you can hear it's all warbly. Uh huh. And then I can add on top of that, whatever. Wait, let it go a little longer. Yeah. 
So it's just going to keep going. Yeah. But I don't understand and how it, the timing is going to be right. Like there's no timing. See, that's timing doesn't matter. Let's say I'm already out. <laughs> that's why I've already See, quit but, at that point because I'm afraid it's okay. going to not be the right amount of time. Like there were, there are rhythmic values in what you did. So they're just going to be off mm. now, or, or did you? Do I wasn't a, thinking about rhythm at all. Like what I would do is, um, I'll turn on my octave generator. So I've got a thing going in C, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a big old F chord underneath it. That. Uh huh. Yeah. Like that. To me, that's already starting to sound like almost enough for me to be cool. <laughs> And uh, the reason I did it on this pedal is because over time it's going to get more warbly and more degraded. Uh huh. So like as the song goes along, the loop itself is changing. And so by the end of the song, it sounds completely different. And that's cool to me. Okay. So <laughs> now I'm, I'm double angry at what you've done because <laughs> it, you, it, you're saying it has no rhythm and I, I, no. you're playing a C chord and an F chord, which technically makes another polychord, but that's not the point either. It's not... Right. I don't understand. Now, you know, I don't think, I, I mean, pr I primarily, I'll put it this way, I primarily think in chord function, period. Sure. Like, I for sure think of chord function and then what are the colored notes on it and then what are the, right. what is the top end melody? And then what's the rhythm? <laughs> I mean, that those are the boxes that I'm locked into and it's very bothersome for me to, for somebody to say they don't know or care about the rhythm. And no. especially, the, you, you, that's what I don't understand is how can you compose a song and, or analyze it, what the chords are? Because when, well, when, when are the chords is almost a question I have. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's just, that's a feel thing too because it's like, here, I'll put this loop back. See, it's already changing. It's yeah. getting all dark and warbly. Um, you know, the chords themselves might have a rhythm for sure. I mean, I'll, let me take this off. Uh, so, you know, I could just go like. Like, there could be a rhythm to the chords on top uh -huh. of it. But I like stuff like the loops. Like, they need. I like them existing in their own world outside of the grid, you know? That's yeah. fun and exciting to me. Yeah. But it doesn't so. bother you if you if you. I feel like you can't change the tonality <laughs> though. Now, like the, I feel like the tonality's locked. Like it's oh this. I can octave it down. No, the, do no, the tonality being the 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 chord function. That where, oh, where the chord. Well, I mean, chord function. I would say that's like having personally. one guy in your band that never changes his chord as the the band keeps playing i know it's like one well, guy I mean, he's like the, stuck on a c chord it just bothers well, me the, the, not this it might doesn't be, sound bad it sounds good but i don't understand how to sure. do it, it bothers well, this me might, it seems this wrong. might be this might be that arbitrary thing i'm talking about like this loop's gonna go on for seven minutes how what do i put on top of it to make it interesting yeah and like a lot of you know that song i referenced earlier on the new album is like the the thing that's weird about it if you listen closely is like no part ever changes when a part comes in like a piano part or guitar part, it's not going to shift into a different part later. It's only going to fade in and then fade out. So what I like to do is uh, layer all the layers so that they come in and out at different points and it's like a different stack as the uh -huh. song goes along. And that's what the movement is. It's not a verse, chorus, bridge thing. Sure. It, it's stuff is coming in 
in a certain order and then leaving in a different order. That's always, that's one of my favorite things is to like have all these loops, they build up in a certain way and then you remove them in like a different way. And so by the end of the song, you get a different feel from the same parts. Um, if that makes sense, it does. Uh, and so the part I'm <laughs> really attracted to is the um, the types of sound, the uh, sonority. I think is the word for the chord and the coloration of the chord, the, the actual sound note wise. So I'm oh, a I big see. fan of the sonorities that you're able to make there because yeah. they they make really interesting chord functions that I hear at random times and that's kind of what you're saying is is the point is that you yeah bump, you bump into and kind of obscure the lines between what's the, what chords are when and how it works right. but you come out and, with a bunch of interesting uh and honestly, things you couldn't the, really build in a pure clean gridded stack right and and the key if if you're going to have a loop that's like sort of stabilizing a song or keeping it going for a long time you've got to have it simple enough that you can be free to do a lot on top of it like if i used right. all 12 notes in the scale just then i wouldn't be able to it, first off that wouldn't even sound good at all and moving chords you know like here let me do another loop it's just uh you know i'll just do a one and a five you know in this in c right that's just c and, c g, and g right yeah um okay now that's gonna stay there i think if I did it right. <laughs> See, when it's I lay this notes. down... Yeah, the two yeah, plainest notes in the world. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I'll have total free... Um, I'm being an idiot. I'm just going to have the right thing. Oh, you're trying to talk. G take a second and get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I have free reign now to do whatever chord progression-wise on top of this because yeah. of how easy it is. You know? Okay, but okay, so that, that gives me a premise at least, though. Your, yeah. loop, your loopy parts need to be higher in register for the most part, though, right? At least yeah. that's true. If you put a bunch of low notes, like if you put a exactly. bass guitar through a loop, it would screw everything up. Exactly. Or not yeah, necessarily, so but light, it would be more difficult because right. the fundamental pitch is what dictates chord function often or perception right. of. So like a total cigar roast thing to do right now is like so this is in C, I, I would you're gonna you feel like the song is in C, but I'm gonna start on that F, and then I'm gonna yeah. go up to a G, and then an A minor, and then maybe not even go back to the C. Like those aren't even nice. I haven't made the chords sound cool, but like those would be the functions that would yeah. turn this into like an emotional. Yeah. whatever type of song but that you know is I mean? still in C though yeah totally but yeah. you'd never you know it's kind of exciting in a very simple way to stay away from the root yeah to, you didn't use you didn't use you the one chord as a uh -uh. fundamental in the, in your right. chord progression as a right yeah that's right yeah no, that's a big thing to do. Uh, Jeremy Enoch from uh, Sunny Day Real Estate says the same thing. He says that he's he doesn't really know, but he knows the one chord always sounds cheesy to him. So just right. don't don't ever play it. It's always been he tries to never right. just, just avoid the the you know playing. And especially you hear it a lot where people will start songs. At least if you don't start and end on the one chord, that helps you. You may yes. be able to utilize it, but avoiding centering around the one chord is a good way to get a, a fresh tonality. But it's pretty common right. these days. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's just how music shifts because at some point, 
you really wanted and needed that in the evolution of our hearing of the major mm-hmm. diatonic scale and all that kind of stuff. But over time, that what something that isn't cheesy becomes cheesy, and then it, once the collective <laughs> consciousness of listeners can accept the normal, then then they can now start to accept outside modes or key centers or tonalities that they couldn't have before collectively. And so right. the art part is always pushing, keep, you know, staying ahead of those boundaries and stuff, which is right. what I'm hearing you do and identifying that you're doing that's good is I'm locked into some system and right. it's limited and you're trying to break those boundaries of that frustrate me like no you got to do the rhythm right what if the loop's wrong what if it doesn't come back right and you you're trying to push those boundaries on purpose because it's so obvious that everything we do is structured and grid and right you know perfect right. and all that so that's yeah, probably why it's it, working what you're doing and it's funny people will ask me like what are the subdivisions on your delay pedal and i'm like i have no idea honestly like <laughs> I, I hate tap yeah. tempo delay I think that's so boring when a delay is just exactly in time with the song. Like, I'd rather it be like wild on its own or something. <laughs> that depends like the on the kind of, of this, music but... you're playing. Because I would say the exact yeah, exactly. opposite. I cannot stand if the delay's not perfectly in time. <laughs> right, and you know, and I'm not huge into U2 or dotted eighth delays either. Yeah. So maybe that's my problem. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's a whole different thing when you use a, a the dotted thing to actually. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Uh, right. Use it a totally yeah, different you, way to do that. You play a guitar part like this, and the delay makes it really yeah. interesting for you. <laughs> right. That's right. I guess that's the edges thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Okay. Um, so what else do you want to play? You want to play piano? Show, well, yeah. So, I was going to show you. Like that? Well, yeah. Here's this is sort of a newer technique I have. I've got this delay plugin. I've got it going. It's a. I forget what it's modeling. It's the primal tap from Sound Toys. Anyway, what you can do is you can play something and the delay will go and then you freeze the repeats and then you can modify it after that. Here, I'll show you. So I've got the feedback up super high. It's another stereo delay sort of thing. Um, So. So I just played some random notes. Now I'm gonna freeze it. So it's frozen now. Now I'm gonna like half the time. Whoa. Yeah. So it starts getting like a little lo fi because it's emulating like a stretching delay chip, analog uh-huh. chip. You know, and so that, I think that was an E chord, right? Um, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking at your fingers. Yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, and then you can start doing, you know, similar stuff. So you got a nice little piano that uh-huh. just stays like that. And you can have it really low in the mix, so it's just stuff that's barely popping out. Um, so it's like I'll just mess, I'll just, I'll just mess around, and like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll just like play some random notes and freeze it and mess with it, and it's like, does that sound cool? Did you know like what you were doing note-wise there? Because I hear that as a composition of, uh, you know, one chord with the third G-sharp in there, and then you um, went to the the A, you played an A chord secondly there, which made that G-sharp B, this re- the, it stuck out to me as a melody, because it's now a major seven note on your four chord that that really creates yeah. that secondary tonality. Is that not in your head, or it is? You, you just thought way more about yeah. it than I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can hear... I can hear and then visually see when a note will be wrong. So uh-huh. I was like, I know I got to skip two keys or one key here <laughs> to get up to the next note. But no, it's just, it's seriously trial, trial and error. Um, and you know, I can go down another Yeah, but you knew that was going to work. How, how, I mean, you, didn't, you knew that that wasn't going to sound bad. 
Right. It's because the like, exact you same you thing act, I did. You didn't play a E. You didn't play a B flat for the second chord. There, it would have sounded terrible. Right. Well, that that's goes back to the exact same thing I was talking about before with that loop. It's just I. You know, it, this is very simple theory stuff. It's uh-huh. like I knew it was. I played notes in an E major scale. It's like I'm going to play. I the play next an E there, and then I play an A. To play would be A, but yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, that's and in my mind, it's this music for me is less about chord function and progression. It's more about those interesting textures and yeah. stuff. And it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, that's not a big washy delayed guitar. That's just yeah. a cool texture that can be on top of it. And if you can have a bunch of those. That's where I'm happy. I, I'm learning I mean? a lot today already. I mean that sincerely. <laughs> uh, uh, to me, texture is kind of a. I mean, this sounds very stupid, but to me, texture is kind of a new, new mm. concept. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's not that I haven't been aware of texture, but I've never used texture to really do any decision making. I don't really think that way. Right. Yeah. I, I just. I just. But like, I like. I'm into it, and I'm starting to become into it, which is good for me. Right. Yeah. And there's random stuff like, so I can use my octave generator. This is a purely an octave up, I believe. Yeah. So you can tell it's an octave up and it sounds just yeah. a little different, you know? Yeah. And then I've got this pedal that's going to do an octave down delay. So I'm technically I'm bringing it back into the original like octave space of the guitar. But it won't sound like something you But could've. it won't sound yeah. like, and it's a reverse octave down delay. So that's just that's just cool, you know. It's octave up okay. and then octave down, and it's just that's a different sound. Okay. Than so I let me let me normally. to have another takeaway from that. So yeah. what I learned just now is that um, <laughs> you, the notes you're playing. Okay, so this whole thing, this is the frame I can put it in. I've always sought to avoid open chords when I play guitar because I sure I, I grew up in South Carolina and people were putting capos on and playing either uh, worship songs or Dave Matthews. Even though Dave Matthews is kind of <laughs> good at guitar, but it was people that like Dave Matthews playing horrible guitar. Yes, um, yes. And I said, "Fuck this." No matter what, this is stupid. So I said, I'll never play acoustic and I'll never use a capo, which isn't entirely true, but I still don't use capos. But I was like, (laughs) in fact, I won't even use open chords. So as soon as I learned how to play guitar and, you know, bar chords and jazz, you know, the fundamentals of jazz is pretty much don't use any open chords anyway. So both punk rock and jazz to me were attractive in that regard because they were not the cheesy ass thing that everybody was doing that I knew weren't talented or good. And it was completely, it's just horrible and derivative (laughs) and everything else. But, um, and so I always sought to do different voicings that I would be embarrassed if there would be a part in a song that I said I composed and it was me playing an open G chord. Like I just could never <laughs> let that happen. Um, yes. And so you must have a similar thing that there's boundaries that you're trying, things you're trying to avoid. So if you want to play something yeah. in a certain register, your, your sense tells you to generate it up an octave and then bring it down, <laughs> down an octave so it won't sound like a person playing what he's yes. playing. <laughs> yeah. So I I get that. That's my takeaway from there. But the other thing (laughs) that makes sense is once you break the boundary, and this is this is a good lesson for me. I'm very into this because I've always thought I need to do bizarre either time things or uh, uh, extra exquisitely interesting notes to color it that didn't sound basic or like a triad. Um, Right. But what you do is wait. You've taken the notes back into. Um, uh, both of the two things, last two things you did, sound like nursery rhymes. 
I mean, mm-hmm. they're just the simplest one three, yep. one five three, very, very, yep. very minimal on the the notes themselves. But since yep. the packaging is the the opposite of cheesy, and in fact foreign or otherworldly is a good way to put it. <laughs> now uh-huh. we we can hear these notes that we're used to and that are familiar and soothing, and I, I think that's probably what what makes it really work is the uh, the childishness or the simplicity or the freshness right. of getting to hear basic notes in a right. new package is what's really yeah, satisfying. And, and maybe that's a good way to say it is like, I'm, I'm completely embracing th- like theoretical simplicity yeah. in the music. Like I have, I've hundred percent embraced that. The The complexity comes in arrangement. It comes in like tonality and putting that stuff together. Um, and it, maybe that goes back to the, the stuff we were talking about at the beginning is like, I don't, I don't want everything to be complex. Like the, the notes, the chords should be simple yeah. on the, the song complexity comes in the subtlety of stuff coming in and out and the way the song moves along after a certain amount of time. That's so I'm, I, yeah, I guess maybe I'm focusing more on things other than the notes and chords, which is a weird thing to say that, about right, creating was, music, especially to me, but yes, right. but see, cause I have that problem. If I sit down and try and create a texture, I want to play a super dense, rich chord. That is, that's the way I like, that's what I've always right. looked for. But if you, lay down a super dense five note chord you know with a bunch of with a bunch of dissonance built in to the right there in the structure it's going to be harder to work with going right. forward yeah it's kind of locked in you can't do as much with it as the simple right. type of things and that's the reason why my favorite chords are literally just one and three so like an a minor would just be this yeah so and then like I, I yeah. don't even want the five in there because the five is boring. Five for the is most boring. Part. Yeah, that, yeah. You should right. omit five all any chance you can, unless you're just trying <laughs> right. to make a power chord or something. But. So it's like even if I'm playing a completely different style of music and I'm like jamming on a chords, like I'm not, I'm not gonna do that power chord. I'm gonna do that right, just, and that's only it's still only two chords, but it's just more interesting to me. So. Sure it is. Yeah, yeah. The the least the, I agree with that even fundamentally. But I'm usually in the space of sevens and nines at a minimum. Sure. And then yeah. I'm trying to do sharp four. I'm trying to see what other notes I can get into something and and make it make people's ears accept it basically. Yeah, and I do that too. I mean, like if I'm playing an A minor, or this is a, what a B minor, and then go uh-huh. down to a G chord, I would like to add the two. So it'd be like. Like right. that already has some like emotional resonance right. to me, just like a G add two. So yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is. You call, nine, I would call it a nine, add nine, but yes. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so that, yeah, that that's interesting. And something else, if you'll notice, like another example of that, making something nursery rhymey simplistic, but in a, a new packaging. In fact, the best example of that ever is I kind of think that's what Nirvana was. Yes. It, yep. I think Kurt Cobain's melodies are just freaking nursery rhymes, man. They're and, so, yeah, but they're, nobody they're ever heard when you heard Nirvana. All you thought is mean, scream, yelly, aggressive, <laughs> punk, bad. Yeah. Hard, you know, like it was all those raw, just aggressive, all the stuff. But the tonality, I mean, and some of the really weird chords and stuff. But his at least his melodies almost are just nursery rhymes, which is probably the key of, to everything. Yeah. It's like the most easy, accessible melody to sing along that is boring or I mean, cheesy or like a kid, and then put in this packaging that's just at the time especially just so foreign to every to everybody's ears Chase totally and i and i don't know if this applies maybe this is too high of a thought but i mean like what he what they were doing you know when you compare it to what was going on in the 80s with all the the clothing and the uh-huh. flashy guitar solos and everything it's sort of i feel 
and may, I'm probably misusing this term, but you know, real punk rock kids probably won't like this. But it feels like the type of music I'm making and other people are making is is sort of punk rock in a way because it's anti mm-hmm. noise, it's anti moving fast, it's anti having to get everything out in a quick three to four minute window. Uh-huh. You know, so there there is sort of like a a little bit of like an anti not anti-establishment, but like a little bit of a punk rock <laughs> yeah, mentality yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Well, I, I you feel know, like that way. That anyway. goes all the way back to just analyzing what art is and stuff. But it's yeah. you're yeah, yeah. definitely trying to break a boundary to avoid certain things and go into a territory that is unfamiliar or, or foreign right. to people, but trying to take them there. Yeah, and maybe you had a great example of it in your garage with your pedal board. Like you were able to maybe slow down for a second because of what the sounds were doing to yes. you. And that's oh, yeah, they that's cap- probably exactly why I've, you know, gotten into this. <laughs> you know, there, I mean, there's pharmaceuticals, there's all this stuff you can do to help slow yourself down. But when I'm making this music, like I, it's cathartic for me. And maybe that's uh-huh. the ultimate reason why I'm doing any of this stuff. So, I suppose a combination of pharmaceuticals and delay pedals is cool too. <laughs> I, there could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Man, let's not uh, let's not do anymore. Let's just okay. be, let's just be done here. This is good. I don't want right. to. I don't want to ruin it by trying to come up with more interesting things to talk. Do you have yeah. any other sounds or anything else you wanted to demonstrate or play that you have up? Oh That'd boy, be the only other I thing. mean, there's all there's all kinds of stuff. Is I've there any got... other technique or like musical thing you you have to demonstrate? Well, I don't, don't want to philosophize anymore. Is what I'm saying. No, it's. I'll do one more thing. It's like so. This is the the octave generator again, mm-hmm. but I'm not using any of the octaves. I'm purely using the attack filter that we talked about. Uh huh. So like th- this is it by itself, you know. Yeah. So it's just it's still the same octave, whatever. And if you add a like a little bit of overdrive to it, so that's gonna sound weird without an amp, honestly. But it's cool because as the notes fading in, you're hearing. The distortion is slowly coming in and reacting to yeah. that sound. Oh, because the distortion isn't, it's not distorting until it swells all the way in. Right, yeah. exactly. So there's like a, you hear the different range of the overdrive kind of. So it's clean and then overdriven just based on the right. envelope opening up. Or, or, or the like, um, if I go lower and play like a double stop or something, you know, it starts getting a little grungier. I don't know, it's just fun to have stuff that reacts in different in unpredictable ways. So, I've noticed this and heard this before and I think I've seen examples online that basically if you take the attack off just mechanically or in a computer or something of different instruments is extremely difficult to tell what the instrument is whether it be a trumpet or a violin or anything. It's just they they say right. you just can't even tell without the identifying part of the attack what the instrument is. Right. So the attack is the defining characteristic of the instrument. It, it seems than the to be release or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even when you do it, even in the human voices that way. Like if you make mock, you know, if you're making sounds, if you want to make a trumpet sound, you go. <laughs> and it right. sounds like a trumpet. But if I, if you just make the uh, the hum, other the rest, most of that sound was just humming. It was, right. That right, sound right. If, without the percussive part of the thing you lose right. all sense of where you're at yeah and my, and my favorite thing like what i was saying is like i have a i have i feel like in my head i have a toolbox of i have tools of how i can change the way an instrument sounds so like removing the attack and reversing an instrument are two of my favorite ways to do that and it's cool because you know you can you can make a guitar which you know a lot of people make the mistake of just layering 
overly reverbed guitar sounds on top of each other, and then it just gets super muddy and uninteresting. So the point should be to find all these tricks to get sounds to be different than what's already there. I mean, that's a normal music thing to do in any band or situation. It's just to, you know, that's that's why bands are two guitars, bass, and drums, because all those frequencies sound pretty good together and they get out of each other's way for the most part. Right. So I'm trying to do a similar thing with just me and oh, my yeah, guitar. Yeah. So it that's wouldn't be six delayed guitars. You need something that's very clean yeah. and clear that comes in and exactly. out with something that's low and got, something that's high and all that. Yeah, you play the chords with some attack and you play a loop that has zero attack and then you play something and you reverse it. So it's all guitar, but it sounds they pull apart from each other and that's what's interesting. Can you do the stuff that's on your records live and can you do it by yourself? Like what t- what do you need to pull off what mm. you do? Or, like for instance, do you reverse do you play it in the computer and then reverse it or do you force yourself with a constraint to make sure you use a reverse delay on the way in versus just doing stuff in the pro tools or whatever? Right. Um I mean, I I have to treat live stuff 100% different than studio stuff because when I'm when I'm writing songs, I have no care for whether it's possible live or not. So then when it comes to playing something live, I just think, oh, okay, now how do I have to modify this to be able to do it? So there is some... I mean, um, the last tour I did, that, that piano thing I did earlier is something I would do live. So I would have those buttons mapped and I would play some weird piano thing and then hit a button to freeze it and then move a knob to like do that whole octave down loop that I did before and then play on top of it. So it's slightly different every night. That's kind of fun. Um, I do, but it wouldn't be different to the listener, whether you just played it off an iPod and just pretended like you were playing guitar. That's the sad part. It's right, hard but to at identify least what you're doing live. But at least I'm visually at a piano. Yeah. They see me playing the first part, and they say, oh, I understand where that came from, at least. Yeah. So as much as possible, I like to do that. So live, I have the piano. I have my looper pedal that is MIDI-synced to Ableton, so everything stays in sync. Um, so I, as much as possible, I like to play the thing that people hear. But I do use some backing tracks. And I try to make it more interesting by having like reactive visuals. That was a big thing for me. So it's like I'll have the the backing string track tied to um, the opacity filter on this video track. So when it swells in, the video swells in too. And like when I hit the piano, it lights up certain blocks on the screen. So it's like so real that, time. Yeah. <laughs> that is where your computer science degree comes in handy. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That was that when I had good. to write my own plug-in. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know any yeah. pedal heads that know how to do that. Even even <laughs> pedal heads aren't in that territory. Most people yeah. most people duck out at, you know, once you just just basically at MIDI, most people peace out. Right. There. <laughs> See, and I feel I feel so fortunate that I like to do it. Like I have nothing against people who just want to play guitar and you know, go to a studio and have someone produce them and someone else engineer and someone else write the song. Yeah. Like that's fine, but I'm really thankful that I have the brain to do all this and I want to, you know, it's, yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I, that's, actually, I, I yeah. don't dislike programming the visuals and, and it's, and it's to my benefit because otherwise I don't really know what I'd be doing for my career. <laughs> okay. So, uh, just less people think that you just make goofy sounds and don't know how to actually play the guitar. You happen to be really into, uh, I've, it's funny when I see you play a video of something where you're actually playing like a normal guitar sound and playing a part because yeah. you've I've got incredible skills there too. I, but. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I do know how to play the guitar. In case anyone's wondering. Well, prove it. Play some 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 new metal douchebag. Oh my gosh, for us with I a regular sound. I wish I could hear. Oh. <laughs> 
Gotta go into drop D if I'm gonna. Of do course, you have cool. to go to drop D. Right. Let me get. This is gonna sound terrible because I'm direct in, but you know, I mean, the best riff of all time is. Now that one's good. Yeah. And it's on a telly. You can do that. Yeah. That's top of the thing. So any Rage Against the Machine song. So that's what Rage sounds like with no distortion and Play no Play something douchier. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Play Limp Biscuit. Do I know any Limp Biscuit songs? Um, oh, wait. What's, what's Break Stuff? Yeah, that's it. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. <laughs> Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. <laughs> what about uh, something leady? You play any shreddy stuff? You do any of that? Oh my gosh. Well, here, let me go back in my my roots. I haven't played this in forever here. Um, Stevie Ray. Yeah. Is that Texas Flood? Pride and Joy oh, or Texas Flood? Pride and Joy. Yeah. So I totally fucked it up. <laughs> That's great, Andy. I used to know how to play that whole. I could play eruption. Wait, do I remember the tapping part? Tapping's not that impressive. Not anymore. It, there was a time when it was. Yeah, it's one of the most easiest things that looks like it's cool, but it's not actually. You should have learned the the break it down song and played us out. I know. I didn't think ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Well. Yeah, I don't know if break I break it down, data. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andy. <laughs> Let's talk about some other stuff next time you come back, which could be as soon as you want. I don't care. There's plenty more to do. We've stayed awesome. relatively narrow on that, some of that tech stuff, but there's way more to do. So, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, let me tell everybody, your album, Swiss Illness, is up for pre-order now. We're putting that out on BC Music anyway. Yeah. And uh, if anybody wants to get that, which I'm telling you to get it, I'm commanding you to. This is mm. the kind of music that's real and it's rich and it's uh, worth. You have to sit down and listen to it to like it. But there's zero chance that if you do spend time with it, that you won't like it. It's the opposite right. of pop music in that regard. It maybe it's not candy, catchy up front. You need to spend time with it. But there's nobody that does that that winds up not liking it. So it's a it's a investment in something really good. Yeah. And one of and, my favorite ways to describe it is like it's furniture music. So it could be like a couch in your living room. It's not the focal point of your room, but it's a helpful part of your room. I'm gonna say it's you like the lighting in your house. Then okay, about that. yeah, it's not it's, it's not set, something you're gonna notice, but it's yeah. gonna be something that really helps. Yeah, you've never been in a house and say, "Man, the lighting here is so good," but it's, it does totally. Yeah. I mean, the opposite of that is horrible. But anyway, right. <laughs> uh, the, we'll give people fifteen percent off of anything they buy if they get your vinyl or digital or anything there. Uh, there's a bunch yeah. of packages. It's lowercasenoises.com. Fifteen uh, percent off if you use the promo code down. And I would I would urge you to support people like Andy that are doing awesome stuff like he is. Um, we'll do more stuff with you. We'll take. I want I want to get you on tour with Emory and see how you do that live show with the video. So we'll do. Hopefully we'll do that too. Yes. Um, but yeah, you'll be around, and I'll talk I'm, to you real soon. Sounds good. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Andy. Yep. See ya.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book nerds. nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!